Thanks for listening to this episode of the Grace Matters podcast. My name is David. I'm pastor for creative arts at Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. Grace Matters is a ministry of Grace Community, and we meet every fifth Wednesday of a month. When Grace Matters convenes, it's usually a panel discussion involving several guests or several of our elders or ministry leaders talking about something that matters, something important. Most recently, we gathered together to talk about foster care and adoption. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, it's posted on the Grace Community Church website and through our standard sermon podcast link. As we're establishing a new podcast for Grace Matters, some of these things will show up in both places. But hopefully, over the long haul, you'll be able to load the Grace Matters podcast for specific conversations. This podcast represents our attempt to bring in some more voices that weren't able to make it to our panel discussion. One of those voices is Tanya Baker Nelson. Tanya is a director for Hand of Hope Pregnancy Resource Center. So Neil Manning, one of our elders and the leader for Grace Matters, and I met with Tanya for lunch. You'll feel like you're at the lunch table with us as you listen to this conversation. You'll get to hear more of the vision of Hand of Hope and the ways that abortion and adoption and foster care are all connected. So without further ado, join us at the lunch table. So the way we see it really is we're literally on the front lines for you know, helping that mom see that an unplanned pregnancy doesn't have to end in an abortion. Yep. So, because at the end of the day, truly, women really don't want to have an abortion. They just feel that that's their only choice, or, you know, culture teaches us that that's the responsible choice. Culture teaches fathers, young fathers, that their responsibility in all this is just to pay for the abortion. Right. So, we want to... We do, not only do we want to, but we do change the conversation and say, yes, yeah, un- unplanned pregnancy is not great timing for anything, but that doesn't change the value of who you are as a human being. You know, the circumstances of your conception do not change who you are and your value, your inherent value. So one of the things that we want to do is we, well, again, one of the things that we do we do present the option of adoption, we present it as you can choose to parent through adoption. So you can choose to parent this baby, you can choose to parent through adoption, and then obviously abortion is a legal choice that you have, no matter how much I disagree with it, morally, ethically, and legally. Yeah. Um, but is that's the state of our culture today, that's where we live, so... As an organization, are you... Legally obligated to to uh, put that option on the table. So North Carolina is what's called an informed consent state, and that um, became law in 2011. And so one of the things that you do have to mention to her is that adoption is an option for any woman experiencing an unplanned pregnancy. So we are huge proponents of the church getting involved in the foster care system. Um, because there are a number of children in the foster care system who are free and clear to be adopted, meaning that their parental rights have been terminated, and so they're waiting for their forever home. And who better to provide that forever home than 
Christians. Believe me, yeah. there's people who are going to ultimately point these children to your real forever eternal home, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, in heaven. So, so in, in the Hand of Hope office, if somebody mm-hmm. comes in and you've had that conversation and they say, mm-hmm. we feel called to, to parent through adoption, what do you do next? That actually just happened the other day, and so Amazing Grace is coming out to our center in Chiquay on Monday to speak with a, a young mom who just found out she was pregnant, and we're going to go over what her choices are awesome. for adoption. Yeah, we're, tickled, we're, we're thrilled about that. That looks so like a, a natural partnership mm-hmm. yeah. where you care for the woman um, up to that point, and then uh, and they, that's what they do as well. It right. seems like a natural growth. Right. We, we don't do adoptions because it technically right. could be a conflict of interest, but we do say, hey, these are, you know, a number of adoption agencies that we work with, hmm. and we, always, we give her a resource list. And she actually chooses who she wants to meet with. And sometimes it's a number of adoption agencies. And sometimes she just says, let me just go with this one. You know, so. But is it, so is it like a straight handoff where after they make that decision, you hand directly to a adoption agency? Or is there like a, is it more of one of those relay handoffs where you're running together for a little bit? Where while she's pregnant, are you still providing other like potential helps? It really depends on what she wants to do. What we always say is the ball is always in her court because she's the one that's pregnant, right? So whatever she wants us to do, if she wants us to stay involved, we will. If she doesn't want us to be involved, we won't either. So we, we facilitate the initial meeting, and then ideally the adoption agency would take over from there. Okay. But again, like in, in this particular young woman's case, she doesn't have anybody. She she really really is alone. She's in college, you know. She's not necessarily wanting her roommates to know that she's pregnant just yet. So she's mm. trying to come to grips with it herself. Yeah. So it really depends on what she wants to do. So adoption agencies definitely do have different um, options available for them, resources available for them. Sometimes they, you know, we piggyback on what we both might offer the same thing, but some adoption agencies offer college scholarships so she can finish her education, so that's not a hindrance, yeah. So it really depends on, not all adoption agencies are created equal though, so you have to, we really vet our adoption agencies, because like, um, we used to work with Bethany Christian Services, but they recently caved and, you know, we'll do same-sex placements and we don't condone that at all, so. Wanna, we took them off our list. Don't want to send them down that path because because of no, that. Well, I mean that. Well, that goes against our own yeah. hand of hope statement of faith. Yeah, so yeah. we wouldn't network with another agency that doesn't wouldn't agree to our statement of faith as well. Yeah. You know. That's good. In, in that that huge area. What are what are some of the array of services that you provide a, a young woman who is, is in that situation? Oh gosh, it's. There are pages and pages and pages of resources that we have available for her. So it really, it really depends on what she needs, where yep. she is. Like, for example, last night I got a phone call um, from somebody um, out of town. I forget which town they're in, but um, she just found out she's pregnant and she's homeless. So she's been living in her car for a little while. So that's, you know, obviously an emergency situation and. We get, you know, there are a number of places. Typically, if you have, like, drug and alcohol abuse, there are a whole lot more resources for you than 
if you don't have drug or alcohol abuse, okay. which is sad, you know, in a way, because, you know, not everybody, not every homeless person has a drug or, right. you know, alcohol abuse problem, so, but we'll network with, we, some of that we do privately. Okay. Um, we have believers who've opened their homes, and that's that's very much vetted, yeah. for sure. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of um, negotiations and conversations that happen before we would say, "Hey, go live with this lady," you know, these people. Um, but that has happened before. And then sometimes there are um, state-funded centers that we send them to. Yeah, we have our favorites with who we like with that. And sure. Um, if they're willing to go outside their circle, you know, their neighborhood, so to speak, there are a lot of opportunities available for them. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And that's kind of, you know, kind of up to them. Hey, you can continue to live in this if you want to, or we can give you a way out, but it's going to cost you something. And the thing that it costs you is going to be, you got to stretch yourself a little bit, you know, maybe move away. You know, from your from your influence. And sometimes your circle of influence is good for her, and sometimes it's not good for her. So. So you become a, a, a go-to for mm-hmm. individuals like that, and, and you facilitate different things. Now, as I understand it, um, there's also material services that you offer, as in. Yes. Um, yeah. So what we say is, we want to say, whatever we can do to alleviate the monetary stresses and pressures of continuing your parenthood where this baby is concerned is what we want to do. So with our, our mentoring program, she comes in and, and there's a curriculum. We have a curriculum that that mom and dad can take until the baby's about two years old. So we're essentially mentoring them for three years because we've walked through the entire pregnancy with them. And then until the baby's two years old and then we have parenting classes and just like how to balance your checkbook or bank account. People don't use a checkbook anymore, but your bank account and how to write a budget, how to write a resume, you know, things like that. Yes. And then with that, they earn money. Like, we call it mommy money. And then they buy the stuff that they need to buy in our boutique. In your bu- boutique? So, um, people, organizations, churches donate to this boutique? Is yes. that right? Mm-hmm. We have churches. Some churches do diaper drives for us. Um, diaper and white drives. And sometimes, you know, that'll last us. You know, we had one church did it one time. It lasted, those diapers lasted us over a year. We almost needed to get a storage building because we were like, where do we put all these diapers? It was, it was amazing. So, yeah. So, and then we'll network, like if they need food, we'll network with food banks and, and things like that. That's not a huge need most of the time. So, but like just the material, you know, baby stuff. That's because yeah. diapers are expensive. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Poor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a happy day when those diapers are done. Well, I'm interested, Tanya. Um, individually, how did you get involved with caring for for women and, and their children? Well. So Hemocode actually started from a homeschool class. It's a homeschool class project. Believe it or not. So, yeah, it's crazy. So we were, um, we had done um, the Purpose Driven Life, and then a follow-up study to the Purpose Driven Life is called Purpose Driven Church. And then at the end of that study, you were supposed to find a project that you need to do in your community and go fulfill that need. And so, um, 
I think they wanted to build some more handicap ramps, and then they wanted to like redo the, the church playground. And I was like, that's not in our community. Yeah. <laughs> so, and if y'all choose another handicap ramp, you know, the women, y'all not going to let us do a thing except like go get lunch or make lunch or something. And I was like, I'm not doing that again. So, so we were sitting there kind of, and our Sunday school class at the time was pretty big. We probably had, you know, easily 50, 55 people in that class. I mean, it was a, a pretty big class. And um, we were all pretty much the same age, things like that. So we were just brainstorming about what are we going to do, what should we do. And so I have no idea. Like, well, I mean, looking back on it, it was definitely the Lord for sure. And I was just like, well, we should open a pregnancy center. And we all just kind of sat there for a little while and we were just like, okay. So, but even like, so. In that class, it was crazy because in that class, there were four of us, four women, four of us women who had all gotten pregnant before we got married. Huh. So, it, you know, it, so it struck a nerve need. a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. so we kind of went, hmm, you know, kind of thing. So, Personal investment involved. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so we talked about it, talked about it, and then we had our first meeting, and it was, we obviously, because what the thing was, you had to tell the church what were you going to do as your Sunday school class or small group, whatever they called it. Back then, you had to tell the church what you were going to do. And so then you had to schedule like a follow-up meeting if the rest of the church wanted to join you. You didn't have to be like regulated to what your class was going to do. And so we had a meeting, and we, I think we had about 100 people in that meeting, and we had, like, some lawyers and some doctors, and um, Donna's kid from Amazing Grace came to that very first meeting, because we went to the same church at the, at the time, and um, nurses and ultrasound techs, and it was insane. It was, we were just kind of going, wow, this is crazy. So, um, so, I mean, it just blossomed from there. It just blossomed from there. Do you currently offer ultrasound? Oh, yes. Candace oh, helps yes. do that. Yeah. Yeah. What are your locations? So we have, um, we have, technically we have three locations right now. So we've got one. So we have, um, we started in Pukeway, obviously. Um, and then about seven years into our ministry in Pukeway, well, prior to seven years, obviously, we wanted to we got into this because we really wanted to to give women who had an unplanned pregnancy a real choice in the matter. You know, we, yeah. we really wanted to take the word choice back to say, okay, choice means that you can choose to continue your, your motherhood. You don't have to choose abortion. So, um, seven years after we opened, we opened a, a second location in Raleigh across from um, the second largest privately owned abortion clinic in North Carolina. So we opened that seven years ago, and then we've rented there for a while, and then four years ago we bought the property right beside the abortion clinic because it just makes more sense to own than it does to rent. Mm -hmm. so. As I understand, I understand that's a um, an ongoing legal battle. Uh, can you give us an update on on that status? What the situation is, and I can tell you what my lawyers told me I could say. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best we can do. Yep. Um, 
we um we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Let's just put it that way. Cool. So we think we might have a conclusion with it sooner rather than later. Hopefully, we still do have some significant hurdles to jump over, but we are very excited at the prospects. So, and it's just timing. I mean, really, hopefully by tomorrow I'll have what I need to have, and then I can tell you what yeah. what I'm being so vague about right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah we'll have to do a follow up. That's yep. pretty good, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. No, don't say anything. <laughs> but all those hurdles came in because um, zoning. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So it's a so we sued the city of Raleigh in a federal lawsuit over a zoning issue. So we the the property that we bought was a residentially zoned property. Mm -hmm. Um, which is not unusual for that road, and there are a number of properties that have been purchased as residential properties, and then were rezoned as mixed-use or commercial. Probably where we rent now was a residential area, and then they applied and had it rezoned to mixed-use as well. So, the abortion clinic actually, when they purchased that property, it was it was residential as well. And they got it rezoned to mixed use, which is exactly what we Same applied thing. to have. Yep. Mm -hmm, to have done. So it passed three different Raleigh, City of Raleigh departments unanimously that it fit within the UDA, which that's the Unified Development Ordinance. A book reflected this thick. So that said, yes, this fits exactly with what we, what we want to do, how we want to grow Raleigh. And so and then when it got to the Raleigh City Council, that's when the Raleigh City Council unanimously denied our rezoning application. So that's when we sued them in a federal lawsuit. And the reason given was somewhat tied to because you wanted to bring an ultrasound machine in to, to give women a, a look or a listen to their, that's, their little one? That was not in their written, written justification for denying the rezoning. It was... To this day, I don't even really understand what the justification was. It was, mm, yeah. it was a big hodgepodge, mm -hmm. hodgepodge of things. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, we're trying to operate beside an abortion clinic, so I think people are not, we don't live under rocks, right? So I think people understand what that means. So, but yes, one of the biggest pieces, and even when I've been able to meet one of the owners of the abortion clinic a couple of times. Even she said directly to me, she said, Tanya, it's just ultrasound. That's what we're so concerned about. And I said, I'm sure it is. Yeah, yeah. I would think so. Because you don't want her to see her baby. So, and obviously, yeah, we give, being that we're across the street from the abortion clinic, obviously the ultrasound is a big motivating factor for why women and men come to see us. Because they yeah. want to, you know, they just want to know. Well, we heard about um, diaper drives and mm -hmm. donating to the boutique. We've got members at Grace Community Church that uh, work with you as a as nurse and how else on the board, right? Uh, how can how can the church better support you and, and Hand of Hope? Gosh, there are a lot of ways to get involved. I mean, honestly, I think what would be great is if y'all came out to pray on our property, like as corporately, as a church, come out and pray on our property. You know, you can do it anytime. We would prefer that you did it when the abortion clinic was closed because we do have what we call our sidewalk team, and our sidewalk team does minister there on the sidewalk in front of the abortion clinic 
while the abortion clinic is open. And so we want to be able to like offer those that free ultrasound to that woman going in there. And also we want to be able to be there for her when she walks out of there. Because, like it or not, she's going to base God on for the rest of her life based on how she was treated when she walks in there by Christians and how she was treated when she walks out of there by Christians. Now, that's not, you know, a justifiable reason to judge God on, but, you know, I judge God based on unjustifiable things all the time, right? So, we want to be able to say to her, we we really, and what we, we do say to her, you know, we are not monetarily invested in your decision. We are here simply because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And so we want you to know him like we know him. So to follow up to your point where you're saying, like, what can your church do? I mean, huge challenge. Go adopt the baby out of the foster care system. <laughs> I mean, I, I think in Wake County there are, like, about 300 children free and clear in the foster care system. So there are more than 300 churches in Wake County. So we can, and, and actually, um... Jim Daly from Focus on the Family, he made a challenge a number of years ago, too, that said if every church, I think it actually was every, if every 10 churches in the United States would adopt just one child out of the foster care system, the church, the capital C church, could solve the orphan crisis. Yeah, I've heard similar statistics Yeah, it might be a little, you know, my numbers might be a little bit off or whatever, but yeah, I mean, it's... There's an, another church that I know of. They they did this, took that adoption charge very seriously, and they set up. Um, it wasn't just about money because it's it's not always just about money, right? right. Um, so, but they set up a whole system where, like, say this family came forward and said they wanted to adopt a baby, but they weren't financially able to adopt. It doesn't have to be a baby, but a child, you know. So they got together, raised the money for the adoption fees. But not only did they do that, they said, this lady said, you know, I'll cook supper for you every third Tuesday. And then another, you know, retired couple said, well, we'll pay for ballet lessons for this little girl. You know, things like that. There are very practical ways that you can help. So if so, a household can't do the actual adopting, it becomes a community affair absolutely. because they all join together. Absolutely, yeah. So we, like, so our third child is adopted, and very much later in life, he's, so we have a 23-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 3-year-old. So it's been, we're starting all over again, basically, <laughs> and it's, it's definitely a challenge, but it's... Blessing upon blessing, you learn to die to self all over again, minute by minute, when you have a toddler in the house. So, yeah, it can be done. It can be done. And it should be done. If the church doesn't do it, who will? Right. Yeah, because to your point, when you were talking about the world says, oh, you pro-life people, all you care about is the baby, you know, just making sure you don't abort the baby. And that's just emphatically not true, you know. Empirically not true, as well as emphatically not true. So I know a lot of Christians who have adopted, adopted children. So. That's good to know. Good to hear. How can folks um, get in contact with you or learn more about Hand of Hope? So we're on social media. We're on Facebook, Hand of Hope Pregnancy Centers, and Instagram. I think it's at Hand of Hope PRCs. Um, 
they can text us, they can or look at our website, got contact information on which is teamofhope.net. Look at our website. Thanks for sharing that. You are welcome. It's terrific to just hear about it's fun. what the ministry is yeah. doing and how the Lord's continuing to, to push forward through you guys. Yep. Exciting. I hope you're not too hungry after having heard us eat while having that conversation. Also, I hope you've noticed on social media or maybe even the mainstream media, our local news stations covered the fact that Hand of Hope has reached a settlement with the city of Raleigh to finally be able to use their facility that's right next to an abortion provider. This is a huge point of prayer, both to praise the Lord for what he did and to ask the Lord to use this space and to give grace to them as they begin to make the space usable. I'm sure there's a lot of things they've got to do to get it ready to go, but we're grateful that God has provided a space literally right next door to give a better choice. If you have any questions about Grace Matters or Grace Community Church, feel free to go to graceccnc.org for more information. Or you can email gracematters at graceccnc.org and ask us any questions you might have. We like to use these questions in our panel discussions, and we would love to answer them more fully in some of our supplemental podcasts. Be on the lookout for more of these podcasts that will include guests who maybe couldn't make it for a panel, or someone that was on the panel, but whose story still needs to be heard. Again, feel free to send us any questions you have, and if this conversation is a good resource, please share it. You've been listening to Grace Matters, conversations establishing believers in the truth.